Great White Sharks may have a bad reputation, but they've got a dedicated public defender in Cynthia Wigrin, the founder of the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy in Cape Cod. The Conservancy is a major advocate for shark conservation that's been supporting shark research since Cynthia created it in 2012. It isn't easy defending sharks, considering their public image as fearsome apex predators, but the Conservancy focuses on fighting misinformation by educating the public on the science behind these fascinating creatures. This is the last episode of the series, and we've gotten to know plenty about what the Conservancy does, but I wanted to learn more about the people side of this important New England institution. Hey everybody, this is Rob Michelson. I'm here with Cynthia Wigren at the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. We just wrapped up uh, Shark Tales. Uh, we've had a great summer uh, going over shark facts, shark research. You guys have been letting me come down here, do the show. And now we're going to talk about the Conservancy. Are you excited? I am very excited. Now, you, you were so excited because you founded the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy back in 2012, correct? I did, yes. And how, how did that happen? Well, uh, I went cage diving in 2010 uh, in South Africa, and that was my first experience with white sharks. Mm -hmm. And it was just the coolest thing that I had ever experienced. Um, but I went into it thinking that it was going to be incredibly scary and uh, came away with a completely different feeling about these animals and wanted to learn more. I was just absolutely in awe uh, watching these sharks underwater and um, came back and followed the research that was very new here on Cape Cod uh, for a couple of years and then reached out to Dr. Skomal in uh, 2012 and had a conversation with him about his work. And in that conversation, I found out that he relied on outside funding to conduct white shark research here off of the coast. So it was actually his idea uh, when I asked what I could do to help. He said, well, there's not a nonprofit set up where people could donate to support the work. So Atlantic White Shark Conservancy was started that way. It was literally just trying to do something to be helpful, to continue this research that, uh, you know, I felt at the time was very critical. And you guys have become quite the force for shark information research in, in the region. When you look at the conservancy, I mean, over these years, you guys have done a lot, raised a lot of money. Uh, what are you most proud of so far? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many, too many to list? Yeah. Well, it's still surreal yeah. for me to, to know that we started this to be helpful and just to see how much it's grown, how much work has been done. Uh, you've done a lot of the podcasts or, yeah. or the episodes in the Shark Center and just seeing the amount of visitors. So the outreach uh, component of it, in addition to the science, has just been really incredible. Uh, I feel so lucky to have an amazing team of people. I mean, this really... All of this work happens because we have incredible staff and, and volunteers and uh, supporters. And so it, there's a lot of, of things to be proud of and, and just watching us be able to expand as an organization across all of the different areas of our mission. And it seems like we need people to be on the side of shark research. People sh see sharks in the news. They go, oh, shark, oh, no. And it must be a tough task to be out there with the facts and to try to educate people on sharks. Yeah, I mean, it just like I think for me in that first experience going into it, feeling like this would be something really scary. And when people think about sharks, they, they usually think about jaws is the first thing that pops into their head. And 
uh, trying to provide people with fact-based information so that they're not relying on a fictional movie for, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, how they know about Because that always works out Charlie when Ray. people rely on movies for facts or, you know, some news outlets. You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, as you've learned throughout the season, yeah. There is a lot that we still have to learn about. There's a lot that we don't know, but we have learned a great deal since the Conservancy was started um, about these animals off of our coast. And public safety is a huge concern here. And so we feel like the best thing that we can do is to invest in that research, learn more about the animal's behavior off of our coast, and share that information with the public so that informed decisions can be made. And because a lot of this research, the research leads to safety because the, what you're learning about the, the shark's movement patterns, describe how the relationship of the research goes to like local lawmakers in order to inform them about, uh, you know, shark habits. Yeah, so we, um, the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy and Division of Marine Fisheries have been meeting with local safety officials for the last seven years and sharing the research so that they can um, use that information for beach management. Uh, right now, for the first time this year, there is a graph of peak activity from white shark tagging data. And okay. so that's included on all of the signs across the Cape. And that is letting people know that the tagging data shows that the peak months of activity are August, September, and October, which is really important because a lot of people had thought that the sharks left when the tourists left. And that's not the case. We Stick see around. that fall. Yeah, fall is very active. This has been a, a very big season for, for tagging. And they just had their largest day on the water with Greg Scomo putting five tags out uh, this past Friday. So we're in October, towards the end of October, right. and it was a record year, for a record day for getting tags out. Which is interesting because public interest in sharks kind of wanes, you know, once people aren't hanging on the beach and worried about sharks. And there's also still people on the water. I mean, it's a little colder, but there's still people doing stuff in the water. Yeah, and they're, yeah. they're surfers primarily yeah. out on the water at this time of year. So it's really important for that group of people to recognize that it's a peak time for uh, for shark activity off the coast here. And I understand that w the, there's a report that just came out recently that has a lot of uh, information. The, the Woods Hole report? Yeah, so yes. the Woods Hole group, um, they were commissioned by the six Outer Cape towns, the Cape Cod National Seashore and Atlantic White Shark Conservancy, essentially to look at all of these mitigation, shark mitigation strategies that yeah. have been proposed and to do an analysis on all of them based on the Cape's unique environment. And so that, wa that report just came out a couple weeks ago. And really, it showed that the best thing that we can do to improve public safety is to focus on education and outreach. So for us as an organization, that's something that we have been working on. Yep. And it was important to see the results of that and to know that it really is a lot about changing public behavior. And you need information to be able to do that. And so that's what we're focused on. And that information is probably more helpful than maybe the other options that people had proposed. Yeah, and you know we're in a time where technology is always changing and evolving, right. and so we are hopeful that there will be improvements made in technology that could be able to be more effective. But currently, there just isn't a silver, silver bullet, and we know that from looking at other places around the world, but this was the first time that all of those strategies were analyzed for here. 
And it must be interesting because, you know, since you found it in 2012, every year, come summer, a lot of shark interest. And then after that, not a lot. How do you, how do you keep people kind of still learning, interested about sharks, even in the off season? How do you keep that message out there so people aren't just paying attention when they're already on the beach? It's like, no, you need to be keep this in mind. Well, a lot of um, work is done through social media for us yeah. and keeping trying to keep people engaged. Uh, Megan Winton has talked about wanting to be giving shark facts and information throughout the season and Marianne will be um, working on getting exhibits and things uh, together here for uh, next year's shark uh, center opening and so yeah for us we are accumulating a lot of information throughout the the field season and then that gives us an opportunity to disseminate that information um, throughout the year the people at the center here uh, a lot of ladies, a lot of women. And uh, that's a focus you guys have is making sure that girls are excited about science and sharks. You have Gills Club. Uh, what was kind of the inspiration for that? And you know, how's that been going? Yeah, so Gills Club, when I first started the organization and we were doing events, at every event I went to, I had a little girl come up and introduce herself and talk to me about how much she loved sharks. And yeah, I think it could have been because I was a female in the position right. and uh, they were sort of gravitated towards uh, a, a woman who was talking about sharks and supporting shark research. Yeah. And so um, we just came up, had a discussion internally about what we were seeing and recognizing that we were meeting all of these female scientists uh, through the work that the Conservancy was doing and what an incredible thing it would be to be able to connect the two. So these young girls that had an interest in sharks and these women that were studying sharks as a, a career. And so that's how the, the whole idea for Gills Club came about. And because a lot of the media and a lot of the attention usually is on the male shark researchers, but there's I've seen a lot of focus like trying to highlight the females so they can serve as role models for these girls that you know could have very great careers in this field. Yeah, so if you watch Shark Week and and as a kid, that's where you're getting a lot of your shark information from. You really are seeing male scientists that are highlighted on those shows. So throughout the Gills Club um, expansion of bringing all of these female shark researchers together, it really provides an opportunity to expose these girls to to women that are doing the same work. So it's not all about what you're seeing on Shark Week, and, and this gives us an opportunity year-round to show these incredible role models. The adults who grew up with Jaws in the theaters, and they have a certain idea about sharks, but how are these kids reacting to sharks? Like, are they excited about learning more about sharks? And is it scary to them? Like, what do you see in these kids? I think most of them are super excited. Um, Marianne can probably speak more to the the individuals that are coming to the Guilds Club yeah. um, meetings, but I do know that we have one girl who's an incredible advocate that did come as somebody who was afraid of sharks at the beginning mm-hmm. and has completely changed uh, into being an, a, truly an incredible advocate for these animals. So I think it's a bit of both, probably like for uh, adults too. People are have fear and fascination. There's probably less fear uh, on the kids' side because yeah. they, um, you know, they didn't necessarily grow up with Jaws and have that. And so 
really trying to spark that fascination and provide them with more information is is part of what we try and do. What what else is the conservancy going to be up to in the next couple of years to kind of like keep the just the facts with sharks? Yeah, so for us, expanding the education programs is going to be key. And we had a lighthouse um, programs, Shark Smart program at the Lighthouse Beach in Chatham this year. And so Marianne is going to be expanding that so that we can be at beaches where people are going and then would be potentially likely to run into a shark. Right. Um, to be able to provide information uh, and education at beaches is something that we, we want to be doing uh, as you know here from being at the Shark Center, we are uh, doing some work here to expand our outreach at the center and that will hopefully bring in more visitors, provide more information, be able to do more educational programs here. And then we're out and about um, basically doing shark talks across Cape Cod and and beyond just to to really try and provide fact-based information from what we're learning about these animals through the research and then sharing that with the public. And what's the most exciting uh, bit of research going on right now, in your opinion? Well, something that we are hoping to uh, wrap up within the next year is the population study. Mm -hmm. And so that, to me, just from a conservation perspective, is very exciting because that will be the first time that there is an estimate of white sharks in the Northwest Atlantic. And that provides a baseline. So if, if you're interested in seeing these animals conserved, then you really need to be looking at what the population size is and monitoring that over time to know if they are doing better or if they're doing worse. And so that to me is really exciting and something that we're really proud to be a part of and to have funded the, the field work for that. And now Megan and others are crunching the data. To crunching the numbers, going into the, the data hole. <laughs> the data hole, uh, exactly. And you know, it must be because I, I actually didn't really realize that. Like, yeah, you're doing the population study because there, there has been no estimate before. This will be the first time. This will be the first area. time in this area, yes. And information is power. Knowledge is Knowledge power. Knowledge is G-A-G-I power. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, do you have any favorite uh, shark facts or like something you find fascinating about sharks that you're, that's your go-to? Like, let me, t- and somebody asks you about sharks, you're like, let me tell you a little something. Uh, do you have a go-to fact? Uh, shark fact, I, I have a, a really... Um, incredible experience of just like a, the survivor shark that we had saved, yes. um, which I think was just fascinating to find out about the shark that had beached itself in Chatham. And yep. then we came to the the scene and the shark was no longer moving. Uh, Dr. Scomo put a tag in the shark and then we had it on the side of a boat to try and revive it, which took about an hour to do until it finally started to move. Um, That shark, eventually, we brought it out into the open ocean and let it go. And that was in 2015, and we've been able to track that shark ever since. So it it survived that. It was a seven-foot juvenile shark, and it just... I think shows the resilience and and how tough these they're, these animals are. They're tough. They're tough. <laughs> I wouldn't want to fight a shark, <laughs> land or sea. You know, but it must be amazing to see a creature like that on on a beach, so helpless, and you're able to actually help them out and I get them back into their habitat. Yeah. So for something to survive like that is just absolutely incredible. Um, and then I guess for shark facts, to me, the the white sharks are one of um, only five shark species that are endothermic, so they can keep their internal body temperature uh, warmer than the outside uh, temperature. And we know from tagging data that these sharks can 
withstand um, water temperatures in the 30s. And so it's it's a very cool thing, I think, um, about white sharks specifically. Is there any shark myths that like the, that really gets to you? Like one shark myth that people always repeat? Well, I think people still, uh, and especially after the fatality that we had here off mm-hmm. of the Cape, they really do still think that these are man-eating monsters, um, you know, that these animals are potentially out to get us. And so I think that is, you know, a a myth that carries with fear. And so to know that these are, you know, sharks are being sharks in their natural habitat and they are there to feed on their natural prey sources. And um, sometimes there is a negative interaction, but that they're not out to, to get humans. We're not on the menu. Uh, are there any other animals on your list that you're like, either if, you could, if you could squeeze them into the Conservancy's mission, uh, any other animals you love? Yeah, so uh, orca whales. Orca <laughs> whales? <laughs> yeah. So it could be the orca <laughs> whale slash Atlantic white shark Conservancy. They're badass. <laughs> <laughs> so if, basically, if I want to be any animal, I might want to be an orca whale. If I want to be like seen as cool and tough with my leather jacket, you know? Yes, they are definitely. Because the they eat sharks, they, right? Yeah, they, they can eat white sharks. There have been videos of them eating white sharks. Um, hardcore. So, yeah, it is hardcore. I could th- <laughs> potentially think of changing the name of the Conservancy <laughs> if they move in, orcas move into town. Did you grow up uh, in, the, in the area? Did you always kind of have a connection with, like, the ocean? I always have uh, lived close to the beach. Yeah. I can't imagine um, not being close to the beach. And for me personally, I just love all wildlife, and it just happens that I'm working for an organization that is supporting uh, shark research. And I, But I do think that sharks need advocates because of the fear and the misinformation out there. You know, it's, it's harder than well, – I still meet people on the Cape who love – dolphins um yeah maybe love seals but they don't love sharks and i think for that reason it we play a very important role uh to to learn about these animals and to try and shift the conversation with fact-based information so that we do believe that the more you know about something the less you fear it you chose a tough animal to defend because yeah. so you, you know <laughs> if you want to be like hey learn about uh dolphins or maybe about parrots or some other animal. People are like, oh, I like parrots. Colorful guys. They can talk a little bit. But they're like, well, here, here's something about sharks. That's a, it's, it's tough. That's a challenge. It is. You chose tough. a challenge. I chose a challenge. And do you have any regrets? <laughs> some days. <laughs> you know, when, uh, when it's particularly stressful or there's somebody posted something on Facebook, you're like, oh, man. You know, <laughs> yeah. I should have gone with snakes. <laughs> Although people don't like snakes. No, people much, don't know. like snakes. You should have gone with chihuahuas. Right. Everybody likes a chihuahua, right? <laughs> we feel bad for them, but we like them. Yes. Yeah. There are definitely other animals that are uh, easier to be an advocate for to their conservation. Let's conserve these chihuahuas. Although literally they're genetic monsters. So I don't even know how they're still alive. <laughs> but uh, but sharks, the sharks are Brazilian. Chihuahuas are not. <laughs> that's And that's the lesson. Yeah. That's the yeah. lesson. Well, and I think the big thing is even if you're afraid of them, we yeah. know that as apex predators, white sharks play important roles in our uh, marine environment and everybody benefits from a healthy ocean. And so I I think that's really important for yeah. people to, to remember. We want to keep the ocean safe, and but we want to make sure that we maintain the habitat and environment because we want to keep enjoying it. And that's a, that's a danger. The ocean is, you know, there's pollution. Species are getting ex- becoming extinct. 
Uh, so it needs an advocate. And even the sharks, they need a defense lawyer, you know? They do. You're like yeah. a public defender for sharks. <laughs> yes. Is that the new is that the new name? <laughs> I like it. All right. I will you, take it. <laughs> nice. Oh, that, that's gonna headline. Public defender of sharks. <laughs> you know, uh, it's uh somebody's gotta do it. Yeah, yeah. They definitely need people <laughs> in their corner. Looking back at this uh, the shark season, uh what are your kind of final closing thoughts for people? It's just been an incredible season overall. Um, more sharks have been tagged this season than any other year. So that's been really exciting to see the research team out on the water doing what they you know, set to accomplish this year. And then to have the greatest number, largest number of visitors come through the Shark Center, even though we were closed for re renovations in June. So yep. that's really significant. Just seeing that interest, the public interest in the sharks and coming here, and then knowing that we're funding research to be able to provide more information. It's just been a, a really incredible year. And then from a public safety perspective, uh, we obviously didn't have any incidents this past year, and I think nobody breathes easily until the sharks move out for the season, and right. we know that that's not uh, something that could can occur. But the feedback that I've been receiving from beach managers is that people were changing their behavior. They, you know, were people were in waist deep water and were okay to be called out if they needed to be for a period of time if a shark was sighted. And so I think that's really key. It just shows um, that hopefully we're making a difference across all of those areas. So it was definitely a season to be proud of. Feels like this is just the beginning. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. It, it really that we have a lot more that we can do. And yeah. so that's very exciting uh, to know that we've been able to accomplish goals that we've established for the organization to feel like we're making a difference, a positive impact in this community and to to know that there's more to be done and that we are really up for the task. Excellent. And any final thoughts or any questions that I wanted me to ask that I didn't ask? No, but I wanted to just thank you for, I mean, it's re been really a great partnership between the Conservancy and NBC10 Boston, and we really appreciate that you've been meeting with us every week to get this uh, work out to people. So so thank you so much for that. No, thank you guys for letting me come down here with my nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I, I've, I've actually learned a lot. You know, I've, I didn't know a lot about sharks because mm -hmm. I'm from New Hampshire and, uh, you know, I go to the ocean sometimes. But I don't live by the ocean. So it's really interesting to dive deep into the, the shark research and everything you're doing, going on the boat, touching dead sharks, which was uh, insane. And, you know, and it was just, uh, it's, been, it's been a pleasure. So, you know, it's uh, Shark Tales. I think it's been a great season. Yeah. And uh, I hope everybody else out there liked it. And because of uh, with NBC10 Boston's help, and of course you, uh, who started the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy, we're making it possible and getting the word out there. Getting the word out. Hey. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, th well, thank you very much. Stay sharky. <laughs> Thanks and to you as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier for me to stay sharky. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to maintain my shark, my level of shark, my shark rust. Oh my God. I'm going to line my shark rust. Oh boy. Thank you for joining in on another episode of Shark Tales. Make sure to subscribe and write us a review on your favorite podcast provider to get new episodes right when they come out.